0: I'm Maor, CEO and co-founder at Incremental. Welcome to Podrick the Podcast, the incremental podcast that talks shop without any limits. Our latest series is titled We're All Mad Here, because our industry can sometimes be described as a madhouse. We interview interesting people from all around the world to exchange opinions and bring new views to our audience. In this interview, I'm really happy to talk with Alina, who's a user acquisition analyst at Traplight Games, a Finnish mobile gaming studio. While she only has one year experience in the industry, Elina brings an incredible perspective and sharp ideas in the typical Finnish no-BS style. I've really enjoyed this conversation and hope you will too. Welcome Elina, how are you?
1: All right, yeah, thank you. I'm great, how are you?
0: I'm very, very good. It's been like two weeks since we saw each other.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's been a short while.
0: On, on Zoom, to be fair. We never met actually. We've been working together for a while now, but we've never met face to face. Yeah, I'm still
1: waiting for that.
0: It will happen eventually. There's like a bazillion and a half uh, trade shows in this industry. So we'll have. Yeah,
1: it. I still haven't been to one. So that's. Uh, oof, oof. I know. It's too late. It's like, uh it's been too long.
0: <laughs> Indeed. But you'll get there. You'll get there. Uh, Elina, could you introduce yourself and also tell uh, tell our listeners how you got to where you got?
1: Sure. So, yes. Hello, my name is Elina Oatinen, and I'm currently working as a UA analyst at Trap Black Games, which is a mobile game development studio here in Finland. And we're known for our titles like Big Bang Racing and more. most recently Battle Legion. And uh Yeah, this is actually my first job in the industry. I've been here for about a year and a half. And uh, right before that, so quite recently, I graduated with my master's. And uh, my studies are actually how I got the job, how I ended up here. And uh, in my studies, I actually, uh, in both my bachelor's thesis and my master's thesis, I studied marketing in the mobile games industry. and. For my research, I interviewed several companies uh, in the Finnish mobile game industry, and uh, Traplight happened to be one of them. And uh, for them, I I developed this sort of theoretical model on how to optimize their UA, and I guess they liked it so much that they hired me. So yeah,
0: that's cool, and
1: here I am. (laughs)
0: Super cool. And actually, like I I did I did want to add another question that's usually I don't ask, just because the fact that you're in Finland from Finland, what makes Finland this like crazy international hub for mobile games? Is it like something in the water? What is it?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I'm inclined to say it's gotta be it's gotta be related to the weather somehow because it's so cold and dark that we are inside and you know, playing games so much. I don't know. It's there's something here, it's a mystery to me as well.
0: Like, I guess, you know, for sure, some of it, like, is rooted to Nokia, but I think, oh, well, yeah. you're, you're probably not old enough to have, like, been a Nokia expert. I'm old enough, but I'm not Finnish. But, I don't know, it's like, you know, it's an explosion in the last 20 years. Like, so many successful global companies out of Finland. And it's amazing that you even studied this. Like, like you studied marketing mobile gaming? Well,
1: yeah yeah well mostly i have to I have to say that uh most of the marketing courses we had did not really reflect today's world, but we still had few that we actually like like was we were learning about like Facebook ads and stuff like that, which is uh
0: this is amazing really
1: great but yeah it's but still it's got i i have to say that it was only a small part of it but still
0: but did you have like guest lectures from like I don't know supercell and Rovio or well stuff that, like yeah that?
1: actually I'm not sure if those companies especially, but we did have some like big names
0: come give up cool. lectures.
1: So yeah, that was really cool.
0: Yeah, you know, I like, so I'm originally from Israel and I grew up next to this uh, fairly well-known uh, business university um, and they did invite me to come and do, you know, a couple of courses there and and then looking at what people were actually learning and it had nothing to do with the realities of actual business, actual digital marketing. Oh yeah. Anyway, yeah. So I did like a couple of courses. I think half the audience were like, no idea what the hell I'm talking about. But anyway, I enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, well, I can imagine. Yeah, but I think it's good that you still gave them the real deal, you know, instead of some theories.
0: Yeah. Um, now, Elina, what piece of advice would you give anyone trying to enter this industry, other than born, like you know, be born in Finland, which is like not, <laughs> not really choice
1: well i think one thing that quite surprised me is just um like how open you have to be like very very open to new ideas and methods and approaches constantly like the space is changing so fast that you can't rely on one thing that works and just keep doing that for months or years like no way you always have to be looking out for the next for the next amazing thing and uh yeah, like you just, you cannot get lost in this sort of false sense of stability. Like that that just doesn't exist here. I think that's one thing that you should remember.
0: You know, actually, I, so I, I, I'm kind of quoting myself. I used to tell people, especially when I interviewed a lot of people for AppLift, like we had thousands of candidates per month. And I think I interviewed at least like two dozens each month myself. And the ones who would tell me that they're looking for like, you know, a job with stability, usually would trigger me to the point where I would tell him, change is the only, only stability you can expect yeah, yeah. in this industry. Exactly. And uh, what you say is quite interesting. You know, I recently interviewed Toby. Toby was a chief growth officer at Fastik. And before this, he was CMO and co-founder at Lovu, the dating app. And he was kind of saying the same thing. He never gets too comfortable in his marketing decisions. He always thinks outside the box. Uh, how to do more, how to do different, what to do that your competitors haven't yet thought of or figured out.
1: Yeah, yeah, Um, I think that's really important. And there's been many times in our campaigns when we just tried something completely random and, you know, it works. Of course, oftentimes it does not work, but that's part of the process. That's also important to remember.
0: Yeah, and I think that's why kind of like, you know, new blood is always critical to like our industry because you're, You know, you're not biased with old ideas, you bring new ideas. And I think that the fact that as a person you're willing to come in and challenge the obvious and have an opinion, that's probably the deal changer. So if I, you know, go back to what you explained about your interview process with Traplight, I would have hired you as well. Oh, that's cool thank you <laughs> cool um and the next question I have and this is probably also something that it's like a generic question that I asked in each of the interviews and I would love to hear your perspective on that do you think marketing is an art or a science
1: well yeah I think um, I can't choose one or the other but I'm gonna I'm still gonna say it's science <laughs> um, I think like especially now more than ever when comparing to for example like the past decades just like the the traditional type of marketing like that what we have today is totally a science like we can measure even the smallest things like just the details of a creative and that affects and how that affects consumer behavior like that's that's insane and uh, all the data we have or i should say like all the data facebook has <laughs> to leverage to find like, our best audiences or to model future behavior i think that's I mean that's totally a science and that's also like what personally i found so fascinating about the entire industry that like that's that's what i like but still there is all there's always the creative or the artistic side to it that cannot be overlooked
0: so you, so you basically see yourself kind of like as a puppeteer controlling user behaviors by changing small uh, small changes in creatives
1: Yes, I like that. I like that. And also like the psychological aspect of that. I think that's also part of the science element.
0: Yeah. Yeah. To be fair, I kind of like that as well. It's like, um, you know, I, I basically have been in the tech industry for the past 20 years and I'm just used to thinking in very large numbers. And it's really cool because... When you think in large numbers, then you need to rely on statistics and not like trying to understand the single user, but like users as a whole. And yeah. once you start relying on statistics, you can really play around with data and see how it affects and what it does. And it's really, really cool. I also uh, like that uh, idea. Yeah. And um, do you think marketing, like let's say proper UA being smart about it and so on could compensate for a not great product? Hmm.
1: Well, I think in the gaming industry, I think we can see some examples of this in like uh, some hyper casual <laughs> games, for example. I think that's the first thing that comes to mind. It's, it's very efficient, very uh, efficient ads come, I would say, lure, lure people into the game that has actually, you know, no quality whatsoever, but they're still getting ad revenue at the company. So I think I think, yes, but for like a long term strategy, I would say that's uh, maybe not that viable.
0: Now, talking about like user-level data and data and so on, obviously in the last year, one of the biggest changes that happened in our industry was the death of the IDFA, what Apple did with ATT, which we're also going to talk about in the context of Facebook. Um, but in your perspective, especially being relatively new to the industry, do you think this death of the user identifier was a bless or a curse?
1: I think... I think if you ask anyone in the advertising industry, I think it's very hard to find the positives in this because it feels like we're going backwards. But then again, for me, because I joined uh, quite quite at the same time as the first, like the first uh, word about the changes were coming in. So it's like uh, I didn't really see that's anything special. It was just one of the changes that's coming in. So I think that's one way to look at it. Like it's just one of the what are the changes that we have to deal with in this industry that are coming like every single day we have something new to deal with but i think why people have such a negative view of it is because uh it's because like i said we're going backwards it's about losing something we already had rather than dealing with a new issue or like a new new platform or something like that so so yeah no it's challenging i think it's challenging for everyone
0: but the question is if we ever really had it. So, you know, I'm thinking about the fact that, yes, we had unlimited access to user level data. And indeed, we could have said that this user made this click converted. But like in my humble opinion, of course, and probably one of the reasons why I uh, wanted to start incremental was that to say that this click or this ad view led to this install doesn't necessarily equal to the user converted because of this ad view because of this click and i think that many marketers who let's say have uh, you know 7 8 years of experience and all they knew was last touch attribution and lookalikes on facebook and aaa campaigns and you know you just throw it and it works um, are actually the ones who are now struggling the most to kind of like uh, adapt to this new reality where you need to think statistics and not deterministically
1: yeah, no, I think that's absolutely true and a great point. I think because uh, it's like it's obvious that attribution is not one hundred percent accurate when you really like think about the actual reality of how a user behaves. But still, yeah, I think that's a great view of uh, like why people struggle with it.
0: Yeah, I think you know there's not too many users that saw an ad, clicked it, bought a Volvo car.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And even if you're, even if you're like, uh, even if the product you're promoting is a game, which, okay, is not necessarily like the longest uh, decision making process. Like, again, to get to a point where you can attribute thousands of dollars sometimes in uh, LTV, if your game has like whale mechanics, then like to associate all of it to a single view, to a single action, it's just, I don't know, either naive or, um, um, or kind of like, um, you know, wanting to believe in that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think it's just far from reality. I think, uh, you know, it's, just, it's very easy to just think about yourself. Like, how do you act? Do you make decisions based on that? Like, I don't think many people do. I, at least, I I don't recognize that behavior as that, like, straightforward funnel that uh, is represented like that.
0: By the way, are you a gamer yourself? Of course. <laughs> <What games laughs> of course.
1: All kinds of stuff. Really, uh, yeah. By the way, just,
0: just because we're not having a video uh, interview, I'm just going to mention the ultra-fucking hardcore gamer headphones you're wearing <laughs> yes, with a the microphone. Have lights yeah, on everything. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, a, like I would say, a safe bet that you're a gamer. But what games do you play?
1: Yeah, well, my personal favorites are all these like single-player story-driven RPGs, I think. But I think one of my favorite games ever, I'd say, because I love it so much, I think it's just like one of example of like a near perfect games like Portal 2. But also I like, uh, more more recently, I really liked Horizon Zero Dawn. Mm. And then also I'm a huge fan of Nintendo as well, like, especially like any 3D Mario game has been just pure gold. Odyssey? <laughs> well, Odyssey, yeah, but Super Mario Galaxy is like my personal favorite, but Odyssey okay. also. Just top tier. Yeah, I love
0: it. Yeah, I agree. It's like my my kids have a Switch and like we often will do a marathon uh, with them. Also, Super Mario Party and the second one as well that came out recently. I don't know if you like it. It's, it's a long game because it's a board game, essentially.
1: Yeah, yeah, I've liked that as a kid. He used to do that
0: yeah but the new ones are uh, really really awesome um jumping to kind of like another question you kind of touched it earlier so you know there's attribution and measurement and i've been asking this question in every one of these interviews and to be fair i'm only getting a bit more confused how do you see the difference between attribution and measurement
1: yeah no i think that's a that's like a very sort of a complicated question i think there's a lot of different aspects to that, but i think I think uh it's kind of a question of like, definition. I think uh I think measurement is the more comprehensive term, but and I think attribution is just a part of it. It's a key part of it, but still only a part of it, because I think measurement can exist without attribution. If you think if you think attribution is just like uh, you know, basically knowing where the user comes from, you can measure things without knowing that, but still it doesn't work the other way around. I think uh there, just attribution does not exist without measurement. So I think that's the way I see it, where attribution is just like one ingredient or element of measurement, the entire world or the very uh, large scale uh, term of measurement.
0: You know, the, the, it's funny, like the, the question came from obviously like me trying to create an analogy for attribution is to measurement like X is to Y. I could not come up with one. yeah and then I started asking people in this interview, and then um, it just confused me more to the point where you know I, I've opened a dictionary to see what the hell am I missing and to the point where again, it's like you you obsess about a word too much and it loses meaning uh, whatsoever. So yeah, I think I don't know if it's a crisis uh, it's like an um, existential crisis that I'm having, but really trying to understand. Um, yeah, that's where I am now. I have a question recently, of course, you know, we were talking about Apple's ATT and loss uh, lose of the identifier and actually just like a couple of days ago, Facebook massively lost value as a result of Apple's ATT. Like they lost one third of, um, market cap. Now as a UA person, do you think it's fair? Do you think Facebook deserves it?
1: Well, no, that's a great question. I think it's like the first one of the first times we're really seeing the effects of ATT and other companies like this clearly. But I don't know. I mean, it, but it's also it's true that Facebook, as like a, as a provider of this service, service of advertising, they did not manage to provide the, let's say, a working product for us deal with the ATT changes, so in a way, it's, it's just a consequence of their lack of a fitting product. But, but yeah, yeah, I don't know if they deserve it, but I think it's just uh, it's a natural reaction that's happening.
0: And then again, maybe let's ask from a, from a marketing standpoint. So obviously, I would say Facebook, like many other companies um, which have to rely on SKN network data, lost conversions, but did you see Facebook losing value in the last, let's say, nine, eight months?
1: Well, for like Facebook's value to us, definitely, I think there was change because, uh, well, <laughs> just because from like the practical standpoint, we uh, we actually decided to use our spend elsewhere, not totally, but still like uh, we did not spend as much on Facebook as we did before because just other channels were working much better than it. That That's like the very natural thing you do as a UA manager is, of course, just divert the spend wherever it works. So that already tells that uh, Facebook was not bringing us the value that we would have needed.
0: But did you divert channels? And again, you don't need to name specifics, but did you divert channels to other platforms who were better attribution means using fingerprinting or to other platforms which are kind of like in the same bucket of Facebook relying on SKN network?
1: Um, I think a little bit of both. I think it's just wherever we found the best returns, really like what worked for us. But I think it was a mix of both. It was not, it was not we didn't have like a clear sort of replacement for it, let's say.
0: I think that's again, like it's for sure like the answer comes from two sides, I think. you know. For, for one is some advertisers are seeing less like conversion data from Facebook, and this is basically because of ATT and Facebook is unable um, to do fingerprinting. There. They definitely have mo- way more scrutiny than other channels. On the other hand, Facebook's AAA campaigns uh, are just not as efficient uh, because yeah. they just don't have the same access to user-level data. And maybe another question before we jump uh, towards like a list of buzzwords. Um, How do you define incrementality in marketing? Obviously, I'm like incremental so I'm gonna ask you this. How do you define incrementality in marketing? And do you think incrementality is this holy grail marketers and UA people should aspire to?
1: Yes, that's another good question. I think uh, for a marketer, I think incrementality is often the sort of hidden, hidden value from your UA that you can miss if you only look at one certain channel or one source and uh, that's important because as I said before attribution is never 100 percent accurate so understanding incrementality I think that brings us one step closer to the truth which is uh, of course incredibly valuable and I think measuring incrementality or understanding how it works I think is now perhaps more important than ever now that we are losing these identifiers so it's uh, yeah I think that's just an essential part of it like we talked about before just without with the sort of shortcomings of attributions let's say because it's not reality so I think incrementality is uh, was you know like I said bringing us closer to that I think that's where I see the value
0: Cool. And by the way, I must I must also say, and maybe like kind of like as a disclaimer here that Elena and Traplight were like a very, very early customer of incremental actually working as a design partner. And I think that there was at least 15 features on the platform that could be named after you because of the amount of feedbacks and insights. And this is what I want to see. And this is how I like it. And this is how I don't like it. It's been extremely helpful to build a product that's actually useful for uh, people like Elena. So thank you for that
1: yeah of course
0: now our industry is amazing at coming up with new buzzwords trends whatever some of it is bs a lot of it is bs some of it is actual trends that are happening that people should be thinking about worried about concerned about or at least you know get themselves uh, versed in what the hell this uh, thing is now we made a list and would love to hear your opinion on what is like actual trend people should be thinking about Versus complete and utter industry mumbo-jumbo bullshit. Uh, Starting with the first one, the uh, Google identifier deprecation.
1: I think this one is for sure a trend. I think it's happening. I think truly it is happening. I think it's just both the market pressure and the legislation that is also pushing towards this. So yeah, I think this one absolutely is a trend.
0: If you needed to bet on a timeline... (laughs)
1: Mm, i'd <laughs> say within a year within two years Ooh,
0: okay okay cool um cross-platform advertising
1: mm, this one is a bit trickier I, I definitely see the potential in it and uh i like the sort of more maybe traditional or actually like the theoretical marketing approach to it you know with the multiple touch points and everything but but yeah of course measurement is still still challenging i think and uh the viability i think is a concern but still yeah i see potential in this okay. i'm going to go with that
0: influencer marketing
1: hmm yeah i i think it's a uh, i think it's a trend there's still some <laughs> issues with it like measurement like i said or uh, or that like the platforms that are for advertisers to find these influencers i think there's a lot to improve on but still I think this is uh definitely uh it's not gonna stop.
0: Yeah, I, I agree there. And by the way, it's like one of the hardest to standardize mediums because in a way it's kind of like product placement on the one hand, and then you have strong influencers with a very loyal audience, but not a big audience, and then you have like generic influencers with gazillions of influence like gazillions of followers, but Maybe their impact is actually not uh, very much felt and the whole how to price it is completely up in the air. So, yeah, I think that eventually, I don't know, maybe we'll see. Like, I, I know that TikTok is doing really, really uh, interesting things about standardizing or the way you can do influencer marketing. So I, I see that coming. And I, th- I think it's also contributing to TikTok's growth. Um, yeah. NFT.
1: NFT. Well, no, this one I'm, I'm still on the fence about. Uh, just recently, I've been getting to know the entire world of blockchain more than ever, and uh, it's been interesting. But this is still a tough one. Let's say that like I'm always for for new developments or new like, new innovations and new tech. Like I love seeing that, but still, I think uh, in this case, it's hard to see. It's hard not to see the warning signs, warning signs. Let's say so. It's uh, yeah. I think I can sum it up by saying that I haven't used any of my own money on this and not really planning to, I think. Yeah, maybe that answers the question. Okay,
0: and the next one is kind of related, unrelated, the metaverse.
1: Yeah, I think this one is really interesting. Uh, When when Facebook, uh, meta? When meta revealed their (laughs) vision or the metaverse just recently, to me my first impression was that it's like a horror story it's like straight out of some really dark dystopian sci-fi that you know that the humans would be communicating in this way it's I was not excited for that <laughs> but um thinking about it some more I realized that of course it, it's not actually anything new we've had platforms like this for years so it's uh it's maybe not as revolutionary as as they uh painted out to be maybe but also like I have to say that I see how this is the right time, the right moment to be pushing this sort of thing. And I also recognize the need for uh, better connections in remote re- remote working, for example. There's definitely a need for it, but still, yeah. The metaverse is, uh, let's see, I'm scared of it.
0: Yeah, you know, it's like, uh, like I've been basically cooked up uh, at home, working from home for the last two years, which has a lot of pluses, but I'm also realizing how much i have very little motivation to go outside yeah <laughs> which is not not great let's face it yeah <laughs> like, yeah uh, no it's scary <laughs> yeah and then uh media mix modeling
1: this one um i'm also a little bit unclear about i think uh i mean i, t- I tried looking into it just like last year and uh i didn't really find anything too concrete or well defined i understand and i uh i think the theory is really solid i understand that but I'm still waiting it to see it done really well in practice in the digital work, digital world, I would say. So yeah.
0: Oh so, yeah. Yeah, the industry, um... the the industry is really awesome sometimes, just like taking a term and then spinning it and marketing it and wrapping it differently, and different companies mean different things, and everything becomes vague to the point where it's kind of like, is it real or is it? A blog post that some company put.
1: Yeah, I think this is the one term out of all of these that, that's like closest to that.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I would agree. I would agree. It's like I, I often hear people talking about it and they mean completely different things. So I usually try to ground them to what do you mean? And then yeah. we see that oh, okay, it's not that it's not that complicated, or it's not even what they thought they meant at all. Um, what's a random fact about you?
1: I think um well, while you, like, um, well, I'm a very data-driven or numbers-driven person, I love statistics and everything, but I also really love art. I'm actually uh, an avid photographer and, uh, and also paint. I actually went to art school for nine years, so I also have some level of an education in like art history and different like, techniques and materials you use in painting. And yeah, maybe that's, I don't know if that's surprising. I also really love art. <laughs>
0: Nice, I didn't know that. And um, for photography, what 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 gear do you use?
1: Yeah, I just have uh, like a ten-year-old DSLR, and uh, I also recently dug up my family's film camera from the '90s. So I'm really trying to uh, get to know that beautiful piece of equipment as well.
0: But you know what's the important question here? Uh, Are you a Nikon or Oh Canon? (gasps) Okay, okay. So interview is done. Sorry. No, sorry. (laughs) You know, it's funny. Like a couple of years ago, I was in this like a a Luma conference in New York. Luma is this boutique banker. They do a lot of the M and A deals in uh, EdTech. and I was sitting in a the table there drinking coffee, and there was Charles, the CEO of Kochava, and uh, Oren from Upslier. and they were like, there was this banker trying to understand what these companies do, and each one of them is kind of like pitching where they're better, where they're different, and I kind of halted the conversation. And I said, "Look, it's like when it comes to selecting an M and P in today's world, it's like." you're a Canon person, you're a Nikon person, you're a Sony person.
1: Yeah. You
0: do not switch. You do not like one another. That's what you do for life. And that's kind of like to explain MMP selection. It's kind of like a religion, I would say, in today's world. And yeah. I'm a Nikon I'm a Nikon person, by the oh, way. No. Canon oh, no. is amateur. Come on. <laughs> like the whole color spectrum there. It's like someone put like saturation all the way up. I, I don't get it. Well, I think
1: we need to continue this conversation. So <laughs> I'm about to get mad.
0: <laughs> and then, uh, last question if people want to follow you, not physically, ideally, um, but again, Finland is not too many people. So, you know, just land in Finland, you're going to see Elena. But if people want to follow you digitally, how they, how could they do that?
1: Yeah, I think the best way is LinkedIn. So that's just my name, Elena Wadden. Yeah, I think that's the best way to reach me.
0: Cool. i'm gonna need to put the, your last name in because it's really oh. hard to pronounce by the way <laughs> really really yeah hard to i pronounce. have to
1: say it's it's been rare that someone has got it right like especially on the first try but you know it's
0: uh, yeah it's what it is I, i'm used to it with my first name you know um, like sometimes i add a y in the middle that's how I, that's how i go on the social media i'm like mayor because no one can pronounce my or. <laughs> uh, but anyway so it's been a pleasure seeing you again thank you so much for your time it's
1: you too yeah thank you so much Ooh.
0: And hopefully we'll also see each other in a conference at some point or a trade show. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Keep waiting for that. Yeah.
0: Cheers. Cheers.
1: Thanks. Bye-bye.